This is episode two of season six of the Runner Girls podcast. On tonight's show, we will be talking about marathon pace runs. Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Megan. And this is season six of Runner Girls, a podcast about women brought together by a love of running. Yes, and it's actually daytime right now, which is rare <laughs> for us to be recording yes. during the day because we had a little bit of a scheduling conflict this week, mainly in me wanting to record on a specific day and then totally not being available to record at the time that I had wanted to. So sorry about that. But anyway, we're doing the show, which is good. And it is, well, marathon training has begun. Summer is here. And it's, it's, it's tough. I don't know about you, but I'm finding it very difficult. Um, How are you doing, Megan? I'm okay. Last week's running was a crapshoot just between the weather with it raining, so I couldn't get outside. And then I posted on my Facebook, which I know some of our listeners are on, about not feeling that great last week. And it's my stomach's been bothering me. And normally, if I wasn't feeling that great, I'd run. But with my stomach, it just makes it really hard to run. Yeah. So I've been watching what I've been eating better this week. And I switched my marathon, which is good because I hadn't registered for anything. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're you're doing a different marathon? Yes, it's a week later. Okay. So I posted this and you're like, just start on the second week. I was like, she didn't understand. <laughs> so um, I knew I just talked to you about it. One, I got thinking about it and I switched to Richmond, which a lot of people did last year. And it's closer and I've never been to Richmond. So it'll kind of make it more of a run vacation. And I got thinking about that too. And the finish of the marathon's downhill. Ooh. It's got a little bit of hills and then it's pretty much an all downhill finish for like the last mile or two. And I like that. And it's still a ton of spectators. It's their 40th anniversary. And I think Marshall and I are going to splurge and stay in like a nice hotel for it. Nice. Yeah. And it's just the week after on a Saturday. So instead of my marathon being on the 4th, it's now the 11th. And I get the 10th off for Veterans Day. So instead of having to use a personal day like I would have had to the Friday before, now I can just, I have it off anyway. Nice. I'm looking at the course map, the elevation chart, and Mm -hmm. it does look hilly. Um, Not too bad, but you're you're definitely going to want to train on some hills. Well, luckily I have a ton of those, so that's (laughs) not going to be anything. And um, I think I like hillier courses. Okay. I'm finding that that's weird. I like running up hills. We've talked about this before. And I really liked Cincinnati and the hills there. And I'm kind of worried about Savannah being too hot. Yeah. I don't blame you. Just because that one time that we ran in Savannah was like ridiculously hot and they had to cut the course short. Yeah, well, even if it's in the 60s, I'm kind of worried for a marathon, that's going to be too warm for me if it's full sun in mid-60s. And Mm. that really feels weird saying that. 
But some of my better runs here lately have been in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. where I feel really good and strong. And Richmond is closer to that temperature in the middle of November. Good. Than Savannah. Right. Yes, because you're going north instead of going yes. south. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a smart choice to make then as long as you're prepared for the course. And like I said, the hills don't look too bad, but just the fact that they come, there's a significant hill, it looks like, in the last third of the race. So that's that's the only thing I'd be concerned about. As long as you're training that way, you'll be fine. Yeah, all the longer routes around here are hilly the entire course. And I'll be... I'm going to try. They have pacers. I don't even know what we're going for, what the end time goal is. I think it's what, 4.15? Yeah, we're training you for 4.15, but your okay. goal is to get under five. So yes. I think if you went with a 4.30 or a 4.40 or 4.45, anywhere in there, you'd be fine. And even if you wanted to, like, if you actually wanted to, you know, run at your marathon pace, start out with the 4.15 pacer, that would be fine, too. Yeah, well, Corral 4 is 4.15 to 4.30. Okay, so that would be the place where you'd want to start then, I would think. Yes. And they're going to have pace teams. They have not put the information out, but I'm sure 4.15 will be one or close to there. I know 4.30 will because that's a popular time. Mm. So if anything, I can start with the 4.30 and end up going faster if I need to. It looks like a great course. It's like a lot of it's along the water. You go over a couple bridges. They have party stops, like Mm -hmm. scheduled party stops along the course. This looks really cool. Yeah, I kind of got excited about it. And junk food stops. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah. And competitor, the rock and roll races are just so money based. They're massive too. Like yes, and I know this one will be a bigger race, but it's not going to be like that. So, yeah, the rock and roll ones to me are like a logistical nightmare as far as parking and the the expo. I we didn't even go to the expo. Like I barely got in to get my race bib. Didn't get to see any of the expo, and you didn't go at all, did you? Mm-mm. So, yeah, yeah, this looks more promising. I would think. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so that's got me excited. I do like being along the river and being able to see stuff. It'll be a little bit more scenic because while Savannah's flat, it's really not scenic. Right. It's all in neighborhoods and cities. It's pretty, though. I because think. it's Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm kind of excited about the change. I talked to Marshall about it. He just kind of looked at me like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. He's like, do we have to change our hotel? Can we refund it? I was like, yes. It's <laughs> free refundable until like two days before. So no worries there. And nice. when I told him we might, you know, get a nicer hotel for once, he was like, what? Okay. <laughs> sure. Nice. Have you already registered for the Richmond Marathon? I have not. Okay. And I also looked at the prices. The price difference was within $10. Nice. So it didn't even make a difference there either. Cool. So I'm going to wait. It might be August before I register, just because I'll get a little bit more money then. Yay, grad school loans. All right, so marathon training starts this week. (laughs) Yeah, last week was a pre-week. 
the day after the podcast, it was raining. So we went to our apartment complexes, mini gym thing. And somebody else was on another treadmill. So I got on the only other treadmill that was like broken. Mm. It barely worked. And I did that for about a mile. And then I just couldn't take it anymore because I couldn't change anything. I could change the speed and that was it. I couldn't see my pace. I couldn't see anything. And so I did the other 30, I did 45 minutes, which would have been my four miles at 11 minute pace. So the other 34 minutes, 33 minutes I did on like an elliptical ish. (laughs) I was like, I'm, I think it's one of the ones that are made to be more like the running motion. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm still moving my legs and I'm still working and that's fine. And then um, the other run Marshall and I did was Sunday. Hold on just a second. Before we get into that. This is all training and we're not just training. Yeah, let's let's move along to our training segment then. (laughs) Okay? I was just in running mode. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So your first run you did in your apartment's gym complex, that's right? Yeah, and that would have been the second run of last week. And I did a little bit on the treadmill that was very broken. And then I did uh, the rest of it on an elliptical, I think. I'm not really familiar with gym machines. Well, was it like a cross-country skiing motion or was it a different motion? Because elliptical is like a skiing motion. Up and down. Okay. So I think it was... More like the arc trainer, maybe. Yes, maybe it was an arc trainer. And um, I did the rest of my time for running on that. And then Marshall and I ran on Sunday, and I should not have run with him. I should have just let him go do his stupid route by himself because he we didn't get started until 10.30, so it was already hot and full sun, and he had this route picked that was no shade the entire way and all downhill one way and uphill the way back. Oh, so you're going to start out way too fast and then have a lot of difficulty in the second half. <laughs> yes, and it was there was no shade oh. at all. And it was already 80 plus high humidity when we went out, full sun. So we walked a lot of it. So how long was that run? Four and a half miles of run walking. It took us over an hour oh. to do four and a half miles. That should just tell you how bad it was. <laughs> And the thing is, I knew, I knew going in, it was going to be miserable because I knew where he wanted to go. Yeah. I'm like, this is not good running. Why? It's hot. Can't we just go to the park and do the shaded route I have planned out, please? <laughs> He's like, no, I just want to go from here. Did he regret it? Yes. <laughs> and then we went to the pool afterwards and at least got to hang out in the pool. Nice. And then he got sunburnt. So I think he really regrets it now. <laughs> But I ended up with some of the weirdest tan lines. Just, I forget. I mean, I know summer marathon training, I'm going to end up with the weirdest tan lines anyway. Mm -hmm. Because I wear so many different shirts and with the sports bra and the heat. And I wear tank tops for every run that are all different. So I end up with different tan lines all across my back. Yeah, my, I generally wear a couple of different tops, but they have the same shape. So it's like I have a T on my back. Of my my tan line, like it's stripped down the middle is white, and then the shoulder area is tan. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't. All mine are different, just based on 
what I have. And so some of them have almost nothing in the back and some of them have more. And then depending on which sports bra. Uh So it's just funny looking at my bag because I saw it Sunday after the run. I was like, oh, new tan lines. Because I got some from when we went to the beach a couple weeks ago, too, from a shirt. So it's just a hot mess back there. (laughs) And it makes me laugh. And I don't care. Some people are very particular about their tan lines, but I'm like, whatever. It's just, it is what it is. Right. But it's funny to me to look at the designs I get on my back. Mm -hmm. So uh, marathon training will officially start this week. Got three miles easy tonight that I moved from yesterday because I had full plans to go on yesterday. And then my mom is like, hey, I'm going to come see you. I was like, okay, that's when I was supposed to run, but that's fine. Love you, mom. So (laughs) I'll do it today. And Marshall's got three miles and I'm going to talk him into going to where it's cool. We have two greenways within 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes that are shaded almost the entire way. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to not do that for just three miles. Right. That's, (sighs) I'm going to talk him into it. (laughs) Nice. And then I've got four tomorrow, which I'm going to get up and do in the morning on the Greenway. It'll be nice, calm and quiet. Yeah. The other thing is my schedule is so screwed up because of not being in work. Like I'm not on a set routine and I need to make one. Yep. I'm not set out for not working. What I would do as far as like getting into a routine is just to plan to do something every day. So mm-hmm. like even if you don't have a run planned, figure out what you want to do for cross training or even just do like a foam rolling session or whatever if it's a rest day. That way you get in the habit of doing something every day, even if it's just five minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, the thing is I'm not even in like a people routine, not just not a running routine, not even a normal life routine. Like, I slept until noon a couple days last week. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Yes, but it's really not because then it screws up the rest of the day and then I don't get anything done and I don't, I'm like, so, and I've got grad school stuff to do, so I just need to be up early and I can do grad school stuff and set aside the morning, like run and then shower and come back and do grad school stuff and then have the afternoon to myself. That's a good plan. That's my goal. It's a good way to be productive. I found that, if I put things off into the later in the day, I just keep putting them off and like feeling more and more lazy <laughs> versus yes. when I get right out of bed and start doing stuff. I have a lot more energy throughout the day and get a lot more done. Yeah. So that's what I need to do. And I can't even remember last year, like last year at this point, I was fine doing my running and I was off school and I was, I don't know what I was doing during the day. I can't even remember last summer. So I should go back and listen to some of the old episodes. I was going to say, if only there was a way that you could find that out. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, what were you doing, Megan, that you were so good last summer running? We're lucky in that we have this like virtual like record of everything that we've done for the past five years. (laughs) I know. And I want to go back kind of and listen to the early episodes. Yeah. About training for the first marathon. Because I'm thinking, I think the plan I gave Marshall to use, Hal Higdon's Novice one, is probably the one I started out training with for my first marathon. Yeah. And I kind of want to have him listen to our first season and be like, look, you know, because he doesn't take my advice about running stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, he kind of ignores me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. And I get really frustrated with him. I'm like, look, I've been doing five years. I've had a podcast. Like, we're kind of legit. We talk (laughs) about real stuff. We don't just 
get on there and hang out. Right. We actually talk about running things and how to be a better runner and stuff that goes along with that. Making mistakes and learning from them and sharing the wisdom. Yeah, let me help you be a better runner. And he just looks at me. (laughs) I'm like... Because I told him, and I was kind of telling him, well, it's okay to walk a little bit during long runs. Don't feel bad, especially in the heat, because for your first half, long runs are more about time on your feet necessarily than, you know, hitting a pace. And I was telling him, too, your long run should be slower than all your other runs because you don't want to get hurt. So don't go out thinking you're going to – they don't need to be run fast. Right. You want to have the endurance to go the whole distance instead of, like, just running hard for every run. Yeah, and he does his husband thing where he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh Mm Uh-huh. I'm like, fine, I'm not going to help you anymore. Stuck on your own. (laughs) Don't take advice from the semi-expert in this area. Well, I got to say, I'm really impressed with what you did last week. So, Because when I saw that message that you tagged me in on Facebook, I got really worried. And I thought about it a lot during my long run of like, am I going to have to have this really big conversation with Megan about being committed to her marathon training. Like I really got worried. So, um, but it sounds like you did get a few workouts in and you're just like changing what your target marathon is and readjusting your training to, to fit that, which is fine. So the mom and me started to get worried, but, but I, I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, Sue, you're going to yell at me. And I just knew. <laughs> no. <laughs> But that's fine. I expected it. I kind of expect that from you. So you hold me accountable a lot. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to tell Sue about this. I will. And just just so you know, I am going to hold you accountable. And I am. if you do start to slack off, I'm going to be like, look, we got to talk about this because that's not okay. I, w- I just want you to be prepared and to have a good race day, you know? Me too. And I'm. I think mentally I'm a little bit still... I'm not as excited about the marathon training this time around just because my first marathon was so bad Mm -hmm. that I'm kind of still a little bit traumatized from it. I just felt miserable the whole time and it just was not a good run or a good race or anything. It's hard to get excited about something that you dread. (laughs) Yes. And that's if it's and that's why I changed it to this marathon. It's called America's Friendliest Marathon. Come on. Like, what about that doesn't say run me? So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do that and there'll be plenty of spectators and it's going to be awesome. And the course looks like there's a bunch of places we cross over. So Marshall can see me a couple of times and that'll be exciting. Yeah. Because he likes doing that. So yay. Yay. I am excited more. I, and I think I was worried about Savannah, so I wasn't excited for that either, either. It occurs to me that I don't know much about my marathon course. <laughs> I know that it's put on by the loco people who, I don't know if you remember that Portsmouth half marathon that I did in the spring that was supposed to be flat and fast and was like super hilly. It's by those people. So, oh. um, and I know when I run a new market, new market's hilly. So it's not going to be uh, a flat, fast course, although um, they do like kind of describe it as like a Boston qualifying, like it's meant to be fast, but I don't think that it really is. But the good thing is that I get to run it as much as I want to because I live so close to the course. So so I need to start getting over there soon and, and doing some long runs. Amy's been out of town, so I haven't been over there to run with her, but I definitely need to uh, find out more about the course. 
Is this the one in New Hampshire? Yes, it's Newmarket, New Hampshire, Loco Marathon. See, it says this race date is, oh, the 29th. Yep. Yes, that's when it is. Okay. Yep. Good. So, but you do two loops of a 13.1. Yep. So it's a half course and you just loop again. Yep. Huh. Which it was basically the same thing as base date. Base date was um, two loops also, but if on a flatter course. This is a five hour time limit, Sue. No, it's actually four and a half. It's um five hour time limit for people who are, I think are over 50. So it's actually four and a half hour time limit. And if you need to be at the halfway point by 215 to continue. Oh, that maybe they changed it because here on the website, it says age 16 to 59 is a five hour time limit. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe they did change it. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, I know in the past when I looked it up, it was... It's like two separate time limits, but yeah. But yeah, that's one reason why I wanted to run a 430 marathon before even like doing loco because I wanted to be sure that I'd be able to get under the time limit. So I'm checking Is this one closer to you? Yes, this is the closest marathon so far because it's like a half hour drive. So base state was in Lowell, Mass, which was about an hour away. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, Maine Coast was 45 minutes away, so that wasn't too bad. And then, obviously, Cincinnati was really far away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they did change it. Because it, it did used to be 4.15, um, 4.30. So that's well, good. That gives me a little more leeway. The elevation profile they have does not look too bad. No, it's not too bad. It's It's rolling hills. It's up, down, up, down. Um, where's the elevation? Yeah, this chart, I guess this chart's kind of misleading. But then again, I'm not familiar with the course either. Are you going to try to run it before? I'm going to hopefully do most of my long runs on it. So, okay. We'll see. But yeah, that's, um... It's a scenic course. I love how they describe marathon courses. I like when the descriptions match what the actual course is versus when they don't. <laughs> Um, uh, well this is cool the first three miles are rolling and take you on a shaded road yep there's a nice almost totally flat section a gentle incline a small hill I, i'm taking it all with a grain of salt because it's the loco people so <laughs> they didn't they didn't describe it as flat and fast as they described their hilly race so that makes me think it might be more challenging <laughs> because they acknowledge that there are hills so we'll see um Let's see, my training, last week I left off, I had done my marathon paced run on Tuesday, and so um, I Thursday was an easy run for me, and that was five miles easy. I just did the strawberry loop again, which as I described it off for the strawberry road race, it was like brutal, and this time I kept it easy, and it felt great. So it really does Yay. depend on the weather and the pacing and all that. But yeah, it went really well. And then my next run was my Saturday morning easy run, and that was just a short three miles. Kept it really easy, you know, eleven minute miles. And then my long run on Sunday was ten miles, and I thought I don't want to run my you know, boring five mile loop twice. I want to do something different. So, uh, I took a different route and it ended up being brutally hilly. (laughs) Um, I thought it would be good because I would get some downhill running in 
and I haven't been doing very much of that. So I thought, oh, this will build up a little strength. Well, it definitely did. It was really tough. It was really humid. I was definitely struggling with my asthma again and ended up taking some walk breaks towards the end of the run, which was frustrating because I want to be able to run as much as possible. And when you're used to being able to run 10 miles without stopping, having to walk can be a little demotivating. Um, but I just chalked it up to, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting the, I'm getting it done. You know, I, I have to do it. So I'm going to do it any way that I can do it. So I ended up finishing about 11.20 pace. So it wasn't bad. It just didn't go the way that I wanted it to. And it was tough, but that's all right. The next one will be better. And then my next run was yesterday. So Monday is typically a cross training day for me, but because it it ended up being cooler in the morning, I decided I would do my speed work or pace work a day early. So instead of doing my 12 by 400s today when it was going to be a little warmer, I went out yesterday. It was still hot and humid, <laughs> um, but gentler than it would have been today, I guess. So a little more mild. But um, I went to the track and did my 12 by 400s. And my target was 211 for each 400 meters, which was, I think, 845 pace was the goal. And I ended up running them closer to your pace, which is which is 840. And the reason why you and I have different like pace work paces is because you're faster <laughs> over shorter distances. <laughs> you have a slightly higher VO2 max. And so your pace is just slightly ahead of mine. But I ended up running at your pace anyway, so... Y'all, I just want to let you know, too, that our VO2 maxes are three-tenths away from each other. Yeah, they're really So she close. says running at my pace is really not that, like, Sue's going, like, I'm that incredibly faster than Sue. Right, no, just slightly faster. Um, yes. So your your mile time is 8.01. My mile time is, like, 8.11 or 8.14 or something like that. So it's not that big a difference, but there's a difference. And so you need to train at your actual fitness, you know? So, um, so yeah, I had a, I had a hard time getting my paces right because, um, the watch that I was using wasn't working well. Like I couldn't, it wasn't accurately measuring the distance and I couldn't figure out how to do manual laps on the watch that I was using on my Garmin. It's really easy. I just press the lap button each time I hit the, you know, the 400 meter mark. Mm -hmm. Um, but on my try watch, I couldn't remember how to do the laps. It took me quite a while to figure it out. So I was trying to use the stopwatch function on my phone and that wasn't working either because I had accidentally, because it's a touchscreen phone and I'm holding it in my hand, I kept accidentally like hitting the stop button. (laughs) So anyway, it was just a bit of a cluster (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, But I ended up getting it done and I, I think I averaged like a 209 instead of 211. But some of them were like 219, <laughs> some of them were like 208, 207, so it was all over the place. But it was fine. I got it done, and that was the important thing. And I ended up walking most of my recovery intervals just because it was so freaking hot. So as much as I tell you, hey, you want to run those, <laughs> run easy the recovery intervals, I wasn't able to do it. So, oh well. <laughs> It's heat, though, so yeah. that's where we were talking about, too. If you got to adjust because of heat, yep. perfectly fine. Yep. Absolutely. And I know that the more speed work you do, the easier it gets, too. So I 
ex- I have higher expectations for next time. So that was that was my pace work yesterday. Today I was planning on doing some cross training. I haven't gotten to it yet because I was cleaning the house and then recording with you. So I'll either do my cross training today or tomorrow. And then Thursday is marathon pace, three miles again at 945. Friday is either easy run or cross training, depending on how I'm feeling. I'm thinking it'll probably be a run this week because my legs have been feeling good and I want to get more running in. Saturday is a short, easy run. And then Sunday will be 12 miles for my long run. So I'm not looking forward to that because it doesn't look like the heat is breaking anytime soon. Hopefully I'm adjusting to it. If not getting any cooler weather, then maybe I'm just better able to tolerate it. But I keep telling myself, it'll be better in the fall. It'll be better in the fall. And I'm actually like, as eager as I was to have warm summer weather, I'm definitely looking forward to cooler fall weather already. So Me too, actually. I miss the way the sky looks in the fall and the way the breeze feels. I miss breezes. Mm-hmm. I know like I complained about it, maybe not on the show, but in person, I know I complained about how windy it was for here most of May, mm-hmm. but I would take that back. Please be <laughs> windy. I will run in the wind all the time. Be I've been willing to run in the me, rain. <laughs> what? So be careful what you wish for. Well, I am willing to run in the rain because at least it would be cooler, I think. Yes. On that, I agree. Even if it, because we're sitting at like 90% humidity most of the time. Mm. Oh, 10% humidity, but at least it'll be overcast. Yeah. (laughs) These are the weird runner weather problems and why we are not, you know, meteorologists. (laughs) Because we just be. Yeah, that's why. Trying to make it cloudy all the time. (laughs) Overcast forever. (laughs) All right. Well. I think that covers our training for this week. Are you ready to move along and talk about marathon pace runs? Yes. So last week we talked about easy runs. Well, it's really the first thing that you encounter in your marathon training. But the next aspect is going to be your pace work and your marathon pace runs. This week, we're talking about marathon pace runs, which I am already doing and you'll be doing in a couple weeks. And so I find that the marathon pace run is probably the most important run in my training plan because that's what sets you up to be able to run well on race day. You do need to do the long runs as well you need to be able to go the distance but if you miss a long run I think it's less important than missing your marathon pace runs so why do we do marathon pace runs well the biggest reason is we want to improve your lactate threshold and that is the pace you run at which your muscles begin to accumulate lactic acid without being able to effectively clear it so we want to be able to run below your lactate threshold at a faster pace. So the higher your lactate threshold, the faster your pace is at an easier effort. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So the more miles that you run at marathon pace, the easier your marathon pace gets, and the more likely you'll be able to sustain it over the marathon distance. And so that's why I believe in running lots of miles at marathon pace, because then you get better and better at running at that pace and the easier it gets and the better you can hold it. How many different ways can I say that? All right. So there are two 
main types of workouts. I mean, there's different, lots of different types of workouts that will improve your lactate threshold, but they're basically lumped into two categories. Actual tempo runs, which means running at your lactate threshold pace or even just above it. And that for your lactate threshold pace is basically the fastest pace you can sustain running for an hour. And for us, that would be about 10K pace or just above half marathon pace. So that's like a true tempo run. And then the other workout that improves lactate threshold is a stamina workout at, for instance, marathon pace. So this is running just below your threshold pace, but for a much longer duration. So this also improves your lactate threshold, and it's a somewhat easier effort than running a true tempo run because you're running at a slightly slower pace. But the main reason why we try to stick to the stamina workouts versus the actual tempo runs is that that this is the pace you're going to be running on race day. That's the only reason. Like We want to get really good at running this pace. So when you're starting out in the marathon training plan, we're starting out with you know two or three miles at marathon pace and gradually over the course of 16 weeks, building up to 10 miles at marathon pace for multiple weeks. And when you're early in the plan, it's... I think it's okay that the marathon pace feels harder than than you expect to feel on race day because your fitness isn't quite there yet. So it's going to be a, a lot closer to running a true tempo run. So it's okay you're only running three miles, 30 minutes at, you know, closer to your lactate threshold is going to feel harder then later on in the training when you're running much longer runs of 10 miles but it's going to be an easier pace so does that make sense you're 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 yes. basically building up your lactate threshold throughout the training so it gets easier and easier but it's not a problem to for it to feel hard in the beginning which i feel like calling it a marathon pace run but it it feels challenging is a little bit of a there's a little bit of a disconnect in my head, but it does get easier. <laughs> okay. All right. So the one thing we need to be concerned about is if it doesn't get easier over time. So if it doesn't by the end of, you know, say you're like 13, 12 or 13 weeks into your marathon pace runs and it's still feeling like, all right, this, this doesn't feel like an easy pace at all. Like it's still feeling really challenging. Um, you may be running ahead of your actual fitness at that point. And at that point, we would need to recalibrate. And that's another reason why we do the mile time trials to to gauge what your current fitness is, because obviously things slow down in the summer and fitness changes. And um, ideally, throughout marathon training, your fitness will improve. But if it doesn't, then we need to look at that. Um, So an example of this is I, I was training to run at a 10 minute mile for my last marathon. I wanted to get under 4.30, which would have been a 10.18 pace, but I figure if I train at 10-minute miles, then that'll put me well above <laughs> 10.18 pace. Well, oh, three-quarters of the way through my marathon training, I realized these 10-minute miles still aren't quite feeling easy enough, and so then I recalibrated my last few marathon pace workouts at an easier effort, and I was averaging 10.10 pace, and that ended up being my actual marathon pace on race day. And it worked out fine. So so we're going to train you for a specific pace. And then if it doesn't get easier, then we will recalibrate to what's actually good for where you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Okay. I like the way you explain stuff. Okay, good. I try to explain it as much as possible, and I feel like sometimes I like repeat myself, but and I'm gesturing wildly, which you can't see. <laughs> okay, so how do we do marathon pace runs? We want to start each of our marathon pace runs with at least one mile of just easy running. So you want to go at 11-minute miles or slower, depending on how warm it is. You want to keep your breathing easy. And this warm-up mile is just to warm up the muscles to get them ready for the workout. You shouldn't be pushing hard at all. Um, this this warm-up mile is basically going to prevent injury from running faster on cold or stiff muscles. I've made the mistake in the past of going out and doing speed work without being fully warmed up. And I'm pretty sure that's how I got my groin strain, you know, three years ago. So um, definitely want to ease into the workout with warm-up. After you do your warm-up mile, you want to do a really short stretching session. So I like to do just really simple four main stretches. Stretch my calves stretch my quads, stretch my hamstrings, and if possible, stretch my IT bands. So I say if possible because my IT band stretch is basically putting one leg bent up on a table and kind of leaning until I feel that that stretch in my hips or my glutes. Um, And that can be challenging if you're outside a mile from your home to have a place to put your leg (laughs) up on. So if you have a place to do that stretch, great. I definitely recommend doing it. Definitely do it after your run, for sure, because you want to stretch those IT bands after a hard workout. But um, but if you can't do it during your run, that's okay. So do those few stretches. It doesn't take long. You know, it's just stretch like 15, 20 minutes on each side. And then start your run. And that basically just gives your... Um, It loosens the muscles up, obviously, because you're stretching them, but it also gives your heart rate a chance to come down before actually beginning your workout, which is great. Ideally, run with a GPS watch that is set to either show your current pace or your lap pace. You don't want your average pace over the whole run, but just um, to show like your your lap pace is great because it'll show your average for that mile. And then it will let you know if you're running too fast or too slow, and you can gradually figure out over the mile, you know, whether you're where where you need to be. So that's the way that I like to do it. And you want to aim for 9.45 to 9.55 pace. In the beginning, it's going to be hard, I think, to find that, you know, kind of sweet spot. I I, I know in my last workout, it was a little challenging because I found myself running a bit too hard and then having to to rein myself in. Um, So I definitely recommend aiming for closer to 10 minute miles so that you don't run too fast. Try to run tall and relaxed and focus on deep breathing to keep the effort easy. It's not going to be easy, easy, but you want it to be as easy and relaxed as possible. And if that pace does feel too hard right now, because of the heat or your current fitness or whatever like if you find yourself huffing and puffing a lot just trying to maintain that pace it is okay to take a short walk break between each mile so that you can get your breathing under control and then get your next mile done at the given pace so if you try to maintain if you if it's too hard and you still try to maintain that pace it's it's going to make the the rest of the run suffer but if you take a walk break and then do your next mile then you'll have a better chance of getting all of the the miles done that you need to do. 
So it may be too hot or you may have lost some fitness from not having run over the last month and that's okay. But if it continues to be too difficult after multiple weeks of marathon pace runs, then we may need to reevaluate your marathon pace. So early in the training plan, I recommend trying to run on an easier running route, like a flat route, a shaded route as much as possible. And then later in the training plan, as your miles get longer and the pace gets easier, you want to run on hillier routes that kind of replicate the course that you're going to be running on race day. Try to make it as easy as possible on yourself while you're still building your fitness or getting back to your fitness. And then challenge yourself later as it gets easier. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then use your marathon pace runs to practice what you're going to do on race day, because that's the pace that you're going to be running. You, those, they're basically your, they're your dress rehearsals for race day. So you want to sleep well the night before you want to run on fresh legs, which is why you have a rest day before your marathon paced runs. You want to practice your fueling. I recommend every 45 minutes which will be about every four, four and a half miles and practice your hydration strategy. So if possible, perform these runs on cooler days. If you have them, (laughs) save the warmer days for your actual long runs, which is, you know, what I do. I try and switch things up. If one day is looking better than another, you want to be able to get as close to that, that pace as you can comfortably. And so the cooler days are the better days to, to do that. So what do you think? Do you have any questions or concerns about marathon pacing? No cool down mile? I think that you should do it. I didn't want you to have a ton of extra miles, so I didn't put it in. It's optional. I don't think the warm-up mile is optional. I think you need the warm-up mile. But definitely, if you have the time to to do a cool down mile, that's great. Gradually decreasing your pace or at least walking around for a little bit after your run Mm -hmm. is good. I, I do cool down miles um when I can fit it in so like my last marathon pace run was five miles that was that included a warm-up and a cool down but you know when I get up to 10 miles at marathon pace and I just don't have time to run another mile that day then I just try to like walk back to my car or whatever walk back home or whatever just try to get a little bit of a cool down in as much as I can so whenever you can fit it in I recommend it but it's not a requirement Okay. I'm looking, I was trying to think about these 10 miles. Yeah. I have during the week and making them like, um, race day stuff. So those are going to have to be afternoon. Right. So you're going to be working at that point. When do Mm -hmm. you, you go back to work in like August or September? August. Yeah. Like uh, August 17th or 18th is our first day. Okay. So, so week six. It's it's hard to do because you have long marathon pace runs. Even at that point, you're going to be running seven miles on that or six miles on that day, including your warm-up mile. And then it gets up to 10 or 11 miles, including your mm-hmm. warm-up mile. So hopefully it's cooler and running after work wouldn't be a problem. Um, if at all possible, I would encourage you to do it before work. <laughs> it's hard to cut out two hours for a lunch break. I, I, I don't see that happening for you as a teacher. That's so, never going to happen. Yeah. That, that's like three classes worth of teaching. Um, I'm trying to think if I were to do it before work, logistically, I'd have to be running by about 3.30 in the morning. Wow. 
So what I would say is do it after work if possible. If you can't do it after work, then we'll have to figure out another way to get it done. So you see where your long runs ha- go from 15, 10, 16, 10, 16, 10. Mm-hmm. So I would say on the days when you have just 10 miles easy, you could do your, maybe your marathon pace run in lieu of your long run that weekend. Okay. Um, another option would be to work it into your long run. I would just be concerned that you wouldn't be getting enough miles in during the week. So if you were to do maybe an easy run after work and then do marathon paced miles during your long run, I think that would be a possible alternative. Okay, we'll have to see. I I know I can fit 10 miles in after work. The 10 or 11 miles I can do after work. I can start at 5, 5.30 when it's a little bit cooler, especially at that time. Okay. And be done, you know, at a reasonable time. Okay. Just because it's going to take marathon paced miles 945, that's almost 10, 200 minutes. You're figuring 200 minutes is three hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way. That's bad math. No, that's right. <laughs> we'll, no. we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. Yeah. But so, for now, you're not working during the day, right? No. All right. Um, so you, you there's there's no reason that you can't do those both your marathon pace runs and your long runs each week. Oh, yeah. And I was just thinking, because even up to the six, I can probably do before work because that's like an hour. So I could start at 4.30, 4.45, which is a mostly normal time, or mm-hmm. start at like 4 o'clock, 4.15, and that's a little bit better just because with the new drive, it's a 40-minute drive. Wow. So I got to leave my house by like 6.15 instead of 7. Right. So this is all the stuff I got to consider. We'll figure it out. It'll be okay. Yep, it'll work out. (laughs) Let's deal with that later. It's not now. (laughs) She's like, I can't think about that. No, I I just don't want you to get stressed about it. Like right now you have the time to train. So train while you can and then we'll figure figure it out later you know don't get stressed about is is my concern like don't be like oh I'm never going to be able to get that done so why even bother that that's my fear (laughs) so no the fact that I'm actually asking logistically how to do it is a much better sign yes because if I wasn't asking I'd just be like that's probably not going to (laughs) happen but it is going to happen and it's going to be fine and you're going to be glad to have done it on race day I promise you that I'm actually really excited about thinking about running 10 miles at marathon pace and maintaining that for 10 miles Yeah, and actually training at paces and having that to think about and work on and be like, okay, you can do this or we need to adjust this. Right. So my, the only thing I would like to add on to that is when you do that first three miles at marathon pace, don't even consider the thought that you are eventually going to have to do 10 at that same pace because that day you're going to be like "Uh uh-uh it's not going to (laughs) happen just so you know (laughs) don't worry about that (laughs) it'll it'll get there all right so I think that wraps up marathon paced runs up next we have runner girl recommends My recommend this week is an app. This is something that I just started looking into the last month or so. 
which is intermittent fasting for weight loss. So basically in the past, I, I tend to go with a ketogenic diet, but because I was going basically from one marathon training cycle to the next, I didn't really have time to go on a keto diet between and get fat adapted. And I, I mean, I, I probably could have done it during marathon training, but I figure running is hard enough right now in the heat that I don't want to have to deal with being glycogen depleted on top of that. So I'm saving getting fat adapted again for the winter. <laughs> and right now, instead, I'm experimenting with intermittent fasting. So basically what intermittent fasting is, is limiting when you eat during the day to a specific time period. Like one common weight loss tip has been like, don't eat anything after like 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. at night. And that just keeps you from snacking later in the day and adding on extra calories. Well, intermittent fasting is basically the same thing. It's like you eat in a specific time frame each day. And so it can be a matter of an eight-hour window or a six-hour window, or for people who are more hardcore, they do it in like a two-hour window or four-hour window or whatever. Um, I'm, I just, I have an eight-hour window and that seems to be working well for me. And so I have eight hours during the day, which I can eat, and then 16 hours the rest of the day, most of which I'm sleeping during, is a fasting period. And so the main benefit to doing this is that because you're eating over a smaller period of time, you're less likely to overeat. And what I've noticed is that my appetite has decreased quite a bit. So I'm just not as hungry as I used to be, and I'm not eating just not eating as much in one sitting and throughout the day I'm not snacking mindlessly. So um, it's actually been really easy because I work during the day and I don't have time to eat while I'm working. So that's helped a lot. And I've found that I can eat enough carbs to keep my glycogen levels up but not be eating so much that I'm putting on weight. So um, one of the problems that I've had is that I put on a ton of weight when I'm marathon training. Not a ton of weight. That's not true. I put on a few pounds when I'm marathon training because I tend to eat all the carbs <laughs> because I want to be able to run good. <laughs> so the problem is once I'm done marathon training that I continue to eat that way because that's what my appetite is, but I'm not running, you know, 40, 50 miles a week anymore. <laughs> so all of those calories have to go somewhere. I'm not burning them off. And so that's been the problem. I'm just trying to get down to my good race weight and trying to drop a few pounds. And it's like I said, it's not a lot, but I've been noticing that I have been losing the weight. So I've lost a couple pounds already and it's a slow, gradual process, but doing the intermittent fasting helps to make it not stressful at all. So anyway, my recommend this week is an app called Fast Track. And this is basically a tracker that helps you track your eating window. So you just, it, there's like a start and stop button, right, on the app. And you start it when you start your fast. So say I'm, um, my eating window is from like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Then I, at 6 p.m., press the start button. I'm not eating anymore for the rest of the day. And then in the morning when I eat after my run, say I run from 8 to 10 in the morning and then I eat immediately after my run, I stop the button and then it tracks 
how my, how long my fast was and whether I hit my fasting goal. If you have like a time goal, like a 16 hour, um, fasting period or, you know, 20 hour, whatever your fasting period is, it, it just keeps track of it every day. So you can see if you, you know, what times you, you start fasting, what times you end and it lets you keep track of it. And it's very helpful. And you can set up alerts so it can tell you, hey, you can end your fast now, <laughs> you know, so you, you're not constantly thinking about, oh, when do I get to eat? And it's not like that for me. It's I don't feel like I'm I don't feel like I'm holding myself back or starving or anything like that. I just don't think about it. So I think it could be challenging for somebody who struggles with um, disordered eating. So I wouldn't recommend it in that situation. How's it working like with running and everything? It's fine. Because I, I, I don't limit my carbs, you know, I don't count anything. It's just a matter of I'm eating less calories because I'm eating over a smaller period of time. So I'm eating enough to be able to run. I, you know, I still use energy gels during my runs. I don't count that at all because I burn the gels off. And I only use one or two if I'm doing a long run. So, so yeah, so it, it's been fine. I usually break my fast earlier on days that I run. What is your normal eating window? I have all these questions because this is so cool. Um, so normally I stop eating around. It dep- It depends on what when I start my fast. I'm I'm really not like hard and firm about it at all. I'm just kind of figuring it out as I go. So every day is pretty much different. But it's usually eight o'clock, eight or nine o'clock at night that I start fasting. Unless some days I start earlier, <laughs> and then I'll go until like. 12 or 1 if I'm not hungry and I'm not running that day then I'll, you know I'll, I just go to work in the morning and drink water during the day and I'm just not hungry I might have a cup of coffee and so that's a little bit of calories but I don't count that at all because it's not enough to create an insulin spike and especially if I'm using like a non-sugar sweetener in my coffee then I don't count it at all because there's no it doesn't make me crave anything throughout the rest of the day does that make sense? Yeah. Does it stop you from like snacking at night? Are you bad about that? Um, no, because I I generally end my fast around eight o'clock at night and I'm usually asleep like nine <laughs> and I'm drinking water. So there's no, if I was staying up later, I think it would be different. And like I said, I do tend to eat more on days when I run and that's okay, especially if I run, you know, for two hours and burn a thousand calories, I'm, I'm going to give myself more leeway on those days and it tends to work out fine. So yeah. So I find it's working for me. And like I said, I'll probably go back to keto afterward because one of the, the biggest reasons why I want to get back to running on a low carb diet is because I keep looking back at all these times that I ran in 2015. I was training for Bay State. When I started training for Bay State, I was already fat adapted because I was on keto while I was injured before I started my marathon training. So once I started running again, it was like I was already adapted and it was easy. <laughs> um, so there wasn't that struggle period. And I did run the marathon uh, on carbs, but I had done all of my racing and training up to that point only with the UCAN super starch or cornstarch. So at that point, my body was used to just burning fat for fuel and I was running super fast times. And I'm like, I want to get back there. So I want to get fat adapted again. I just, I'm going to wait till after the summer training's over because I don't hate myself that much. So that is my 
long-winded spiel about my recommend this week, which is the Fast Track Fasting Tracker for anybody who's interested in intermittent fasting. So, Megan, what is your recommend this week? My recommend this week is a specific podcast episode. We've talked about Marathon Training Academy before, but they just put out a running form episode from um, some guy who wrote a book. This guy was the former editor of Running Times Magazine, which was the holy grail running magazine, in my opinion. (laughs) I know. I was getting to that. I just needed his name. (laughs) That's why I said this guy, because I couldn't remember his name. It's Jonathan Beverly. But he just wrote a book about running form specifically. Your Best Stride is what it's called. And he was the editor-in-chief of Running Times, which I still am sad that is no longer being produced. Mm. I was sad when they told me they were no longer going to have the magazine. I still get sad about it sometimes because I liked it better than Runner's World. I listened to this specific episode on my long run this past weekend and definitely reminded me of, oh, I loved Running Times. It was such a great magazine because it was really about specific techniques to become a better runner. You know, like I feel like Runner's World, while it's a great magazine, tends to be more focused on beginning runners and has a lot of stuff, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff about food, a lot of stuff about, I don't know, it, it seems like there's a lot of fluff there, whereas Running Times seem to be a little more serious about running, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Runner's World kind of reminds me of like the people of running. They <laughs> people do a lot magazine. of like special interest in talking about people, which is cool too. Yeah. It's just they're two different magazines, mm-hmm. and we don't we're missing that slot now. Yeah, but I liked it because he talked a lot about running form more than just okay. This is how you move your feet, and this is what it is. He talked about all the other things that go into running form, and just the way we stand and stuff like that. I was like, oh, hey, and he talked about muscles that affect your running form. And how sometimes muscle imbalances, and if you work on those, your running form is naturally going to fix itself. He kind of talked about how cadence and stuff doesn't necessarily matter. Because, you know, people talk about how cadence is the end-all be-all of getting faster. Well, that would be great, except my cadence is consistently between 175 and 185 on a long run, no matter what pace I'm going. My foot turnover, turnover is just really high. Right. Mine is mine is around 160 like 160 to 170 and so and I feel like I have good turnover but I also feel like I literally can't turn my legs over any faster <laughs> like I, I it just it, it it it's not there but that's okay and it's a lot higher than it used to be for sure <laughs> but mm-hmm. um but yeah I, the when I listened to that episode I found it really interesting that the one thing he kept coming back to the biggest takeaway for me was like it all comes down to your hips and the tightness that's in your hips. So that affects Mm -hmm. most of the things that affect us during our running. And um, so that's why hip and glute strengthening, so important for runners, because if you're having imbalances or tightness in your hips or your glutes, that affects everything down below it. And he, I was interested too, because he talked about how a lot of the issues come through weak glutes. Yep. 
and our glutes are not strong enough and we're doing most of our work in our quads. And I know that's my issue a lot of times. And it's why my glutes end up hurting so much on longer runs where I'm actually pushing myself because I'm actually using them and I don't do that enough. Yeah. But I would, the hips thing intrigued me too, because I thought about women and how our hips are shaped differently than men. And I would have really loved to hear about it from a woman researcher's perspective, just because men are not as familiar with women's hips and the differences, especially after childbirth, you know, because they talk about how much your hips and everything changes after childbirth. That's exactly what I was going to say is like any woman who's given birth and has tried to come back to running afterward, they're going to realize they're running way differently (laughs) because not only are things like out of whack, but like your hips are like wider now. It's crazy. It affects everything. Yes. And so that's what I got intrigued about. I was like, hmm, I love that this man is teaching us all this stuff about our hips, but I wish we could have like a lady talk to us about it too. (laughs) But there's not a whole lot of women researchers in running. If you think about it, I don't, you know, who are writing articles specifically about women. Yeah, I don't know. And none come to mind. And we had the one male researcher talk about specifically women. Dr. Karp. Yep. But not a whole lot of women researchers. It makes me women, sad Women, you got to step up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it makes me excited because we are part of a study Wake Forest is doing here about women and overuse injuries and whether strength training impacts overuse oh, right. injuries and women runners. And you're, are you participating in that study? I am. I go for my next test, the 31st. They're going to do a gait analysis, and I get a DEXA scan, and they're going to do all kinds of stuff. Ooh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know. I was telling the lady who's working with me, I'm like, oh, I know. I was like, I get a DEXA. I was like, that's so cool. You guys are putting a lot of money into this, and they're going to do a full gait analysis for me, <sighs> but I don't get any of the information until the study is over in 18 months. I was like, I don't even get to see my stuff. I'm going to ask her if I can at least know what my body fat percentage is because it won't, you know, because that's the best part of a DEXA. Yeah, that's what I want to know, too. Like, how much lean muscle mass do I actually have and how much of this is just fat? (laughs) Yeah. And then they're going to, there's two groups, one of women who do strength training twice a week and one who just run and see uh, what the differences are. And which group are you going to be in? I don't know. I won't know until the 31st. Okay. So that episode we have that week, I will know and I'll be able to tell you because that's going to affect some of the running stuff too. Awesome. Well, we'll figure it out when we get there, right? Yes. I'm excited. I love that they're doing research specifically on women because there's so little about it, yeah. especially in running, you know, because women weren't even allowed to run until 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we were allowed to run. It was just... You know, (laughs) I mean, in certain races, we weren't allowed to run. (laughs) We weren't really allowed to run. Men thought our uteruses would fall out and we were going to die. (laughs) So far, so good. My uterus seems to be in place. (laughs) Yes, I'm glad we debunked that. I'm just thinking, you know, like the 1800s where they 
women were hysterical and their uteruses moved around and that caused all their problems. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, you really thought that about women? It just moved and we needed to be locked up because we had emotions. <laughs> <laughs> well, some women I know should be for their emotions, but anyway. But that's legit. That's not just because they're a woman. Right. So you recommend is this episode of Marathon Training Academy. Yes, especially if you're interested in running form as a science or any of the more scientific things about running. Absolutely. I completely agree. I loved this episode and was definitely thinking like, oh, I need to get this guy's book. I want to see like what he's got in there for exercises and all of the um, yes. you know, physiological stuff behind everything. Yes. So. I was thinking because he, he talks about these glute exercises to do and he only goes over one or two on the show and I was like, eh, that's not, and I was like, I want his book. I'm going to send you a link to a hip and glute stre- strengthening um, routine as well, Megan. So if you have time okay. to, to do it, so you can work on some of that stuff, but yeah, it's really simple stuff that they talked about. Um, I know we talked about the, like the side leg lifts, but you have to keep your body perfectly in line. So you're lying on your side and lifting your top leg up in the air. Um, I do that with a resistance band gives you a little more resistance, <laughs> strengthening. And then um, clamshells are very similar to that, where it's basically the same thing, only your knees are bent and you're lifting your knees apart. And then another one is the glute bridges. So that's basically you're lying on the floor with your feet flat on the floor, your back flat on your floor, and your knees up. And you are lifting your pelvis up off the floor and holding that position for a few seconds. So that would be a glute bridge. So those, just those three exercises, um, even if you just did those three, super helpful for sure. But yeah, that's, that was all the included in all the body weight workouts I used to do. (laughs) I have to get back to it someday. I like how you're just like, eventually I will. I will. No, I will. Um, up next is run a girl of the week. This week's Runner Girl of the Week is Malia on Strava, and she just shared a three-mile run, which she titled Burst of Energy, and I just thought, that's great. I would love a three-mile run where I have a burst of energy, and I did feel like that during my marathon-paced run last week, so I just want to say great job getting out there, Malia. Great job having a nice maybe faster run for you. I don't know what her normal pace is. This one she ran at like an 8.58 pace, which is awesome. But yeah, great job getting out there and having a great energetic run. And we choose our runner girl of the week from our Daily Mile, Smash Runs, Strava Feeds, and now our Facebook page. If you are not on any of those run sharing websites, and even if you are, you can share your run directly on our wall and you could possibly be a future runner girl or guy. And I think that brings us to the end of the show. Megan, do you have a quote for us this week? I do. And this was um, something that I'm working on. The quote is, the quality of our expectations determines the quality of our action. And that's from A. Godin. And I was just thinking about how when you have low expectations especially about a run or something, then your actions are going to match that. So I'm working on having high expectations 
for myself and getting my runs and doing what I need to do. Yeah, I think that's super helpful in motivation. If you know why you're doing something, what you expect of yourself, then you'll be more motivated to do the thing that you need to do to get there. Yes. Awesome. Great quote. That is it for episode two of season six. Join us next time when we will be talking about pace work intervals. If you want to share anything, comments, questions, or your runs, you can email us at runnergirlspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at facebook.com slash runnergirlspodcast. Tweet to us at runnergirlsshow. Tag us on Instagram at runnergirlspodcast. Or call the hotline at 207-200-3297. Download episodes at runnergirlspodcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Now go outside and run.